Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special Saturday edition episode of Let's Unpack That Podcast. We recorded this about a week and a half ago after the inauguration, but all of us had pretty wild weeks with work, so nobody could edit it and get it live. But I think the content still kind of applies. It is still... I would say like a kind of a retro throwback version of Let's Unpack That. Um, It's much more casual, uh, less of an agenda, and it's a lot of fun. We have each other laughing pretty much the entire time. So enjoy this episode and let me know if you like it. And welcome back to Let's Unpack That, uh, where we are celebrating the 46th president, pre- the, the 46th president of the United States, Joseph. Can we talk about this? Robinette. Robinette. Biden. I hate it. I hate it. I'm sorry. Did anyone I know that? I knew it, I just, it was R. I, I didn't know that. I, I only knew it as R. Is that like a surname, like, like a grandparent's surname or something? maybe kirk will get on the case but i always thought it was robert like i just kind of assumed joseph robert biden jr right anyway yeah i think i thought i feel like we've all heard it i've definitely heard they say but i'm always like oh they said robert like i don't ever i didn't like think (laughs) about it um robinette i had there's an article apparently it is um it's his paternal grandmother's maiden name. So it's his, okay. his grandmother's, his his dad's mother's maiden name, Mary Elizabeth Robinette. It's just like, and not, not to like gender names, but like Robinette, it's just a very effeminate name. And that's probably why it's kind of jarring at first. But um, yeah. you I didn't hear me say, say that. Kirk, your name is Kirk and you are in fact named after- a- My aunt, whose name is Kirk. But I think it's weirder that her name was Kirk. Not yes, weird, it is. weird. Nothing's cool. I, my name is Ashley, keep going. I forgot, I forgot we found out about all that, but welcome back to Let's Unpack That, your weekly podcast where this queer millennial and his friends unpack topics at the top of our mind through the lens of anxiety, depression, politics, and inaugural events, and everything in between. Um, so in this episode, we're going to skip the headlines, we're going to skip the action items, and we're just going to kind of jump in and talk about the inauguration. Um, some of the things that we liked, some of the things that we didn't like. Um, we're going to talk about some of the really powerful moments. We're going to talk about some of the executive orders that came out. Um, and I'm excited to do that. Um, whether it's, you know, with our average straight guy, Andrew, whether it's with, you know, not sure if she's wearing pajamas or not, Erica, and uh, Kirk, who wears that hat every single time we record. Um, I'm excited that you guys are here. I'm excited that you're all listening to us talk about this. And I'm just excited that we have a new president. So I guess like, I don't know, Erica, I'll go to you. Like, how are you feeling today? How were you feeling yesterday? Honestly, yesterday, I was like, I don't know. It was just such a high, a little bit of anxiety around, you know, potential events sparked by a former president who we do not need to mention anymore. Um, But overall, it just felt like such a beautiful day and it started snowing literally out of nowhere. And snow's a good sign. Um, It means a fresh beginning and rebirth and changes. So I was just like, I was literally smiling the entire day. I was like, motivate I mean this sounds terrible I was motivated to work (laughs) 
I like had some things blow up at work and I was like, you know what, it's fine. Like everything is truly going to be fine. So it was definitely a day of optimism, um, which is funny because today I was kind of like, all right, like I had that moment and it was a ceremony that was meant to be celebrated, but like, let me also continue to have that skepticism that I think we need in order to um, truly enjoy all the tenets of the, of democracy, to be honest. Yeah. Kirk, what about you? Similar feeling? Yeah, I think it started off with like being nervous is something going to happen. But um, I think that kind of went, I, not that I forgot about everything that had happened, but like it kind of was, if it just felt very normal, right? It felt like everything felt, even though, take away um, the Voldemort, the name shouldn't be named, who shouldn't be named, whatever it is called. But it's like, a, that's an insult to Voldemort. Sorry. And <laughs> um, I think it was, it felt like being, it felt like that never happened happened almost for a minute like I don't want to be that ignorant and naive but even amongst the fact that like none of this is normal because like there was no one there because we're in a pandemic and like everyone was wearing masks I think Paul said texted saying like it's very weird seeing like our leaders wearing masks because like every single one like it is a really weird concept um so that felt weird but at the same time felt very normal I don't even like just like the like the production of everything that the Biden team put out it just felt very happy and like I feel like I remember the Trump inauguration oh said it sorry the inauguration before um from what I remember I, it was just not happy not even, just even like the the production on the television just didn't feel happy like everything just felt like his speech wasn't happy his speech was even. horrible yeah but yeah it was scary but and it rained and all that kind of stuff but um it just I don't know I felt I felt happy and it, it was beautiful out obviously everything was just happy I mean and I mean um the co- there was so much color and like the fashion all that stuff it was just like things that we've been lacking um for fashion that's really all we needed we were lacking fashion for four years not fascism fashion and um no but I was it was I thought it was a happy a happy day I agree with Eric like I couldn't focus on work but that was like a, it was a different not focusing on work based upon two two Wednesdays ago but um I thought it was a, a nice celebration yeah I agree Andrew I know you couldn't watch a ton of it but like you tuned in in the evening right How, what was your kind of reaction to it yeah I was uh I um heads down at work so i was not paying attention too much i caught a little bit of it around lunchtime but and then i came back in the evening but same thing i mean it just felt like there was an adult in the room finally it just felt you know normal and i'm not an overly patriotic person um i i do love my country um but i kind of take it as sort of you know it's where i live it's where i born so by default i'm just kind of i i like it um but i did feel patriotic watching it yesterday and it was nice to kind of feel like it was sort of a celebration of the country in a way we haven't felt for the last four years which is ironic because the whole thing has been make america great again and america first and none of it has felt like it was good for america or a celebration of america or anything like that it was nice to see all the diversity um and you know i'm sure over the next couple of months to years we're going to have to hold Biden accountable for many things and you know people should not forget his track record in history but he's obviously trying and his whole administration is trying and it was just nice to feel normal and all of my fears from the six that I felt like wondering is something going to happen um 
what's going to go down, like all of that pretty much evaporated in the morning. Um, and it, it, it actually allowed me to keep working because initially I was like, I have to tune into this thing because what if something happens? Um, but then it, it became apparent, like, oh, it's just going to be a normal day. And, you know, I had deadlines, so I didn't feel bad not watching like I did on the six where I was just like, I lost almost a whole day of work, just like mm-hmm. glued to the TV on the six. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that I I had a similar reaction and like, I, I think just like to give, give us all some like grace and, and perspective and whatever you want to call it. Like, like I saw this, it was like, what's going to happen next Wednesday. You know, we had an insurrection, we had an impeachment, and then we had an inauguration. Like what's the next I word that we can have? I, I don't know. And, and I feel like those three events it, like are so obviously different you know, like they're so big and in any other time, probably in American history, they would have dominated a month of media coverage. Mm-hmm. And I think the media is really trying to do a good job about um, covering all of these things at once. I think it's difficult for them. I also think the Biden team is working really hard to cover all three of these events at once. And I feel like when you think about the fear that was instilled in so many people during the insurrection, the sort of calmness that you had just being like, well, at least he was impeached and we could be happy about that. And then you have this sort of joyous moment of pure celebration in the inauguration. It's like, that's a fucking whirlwind for all of us to process and deal with in a month as we're trying to like, you know, start a new year, which typically you have that like sort of post-holiday sadness everyone's back to work for the people who who have more of a corporate job or maybe work in schools like there's there's sort of this like lull and you're like when's going to be the next day that I get a break and so it's like this is already a tough time of year it's usually dark it's usually cold depending on where you live and then it's just like yesterday the inauguration you know we're recording this on on Thursday night um but 24 hours after like it did feel like a celebration it did feel really joyous like and it felt like you could feel the heart that the event planners like put into it even like just with like like they were probably like fuck we can't even do an inaugural ball like nobody's worried about like what you know like jill biden's gonna wear because that's like what vanity fair is gonna cover the next day or like you know like like what's the entertainment gonna be like it's just like how can we make this thing fun knowing that it's a completely different type of tradition and i feel like that joy and that impact and that celebration came through like the whole day there were so many smiles exchanged even though that most of them were behind masks you could see people like absolutely smizing you know like through their through their masks and it it really I didn't expect to feel good I guess you know like I kind of went into the day being like, it's going to be another day, but I'm still going to feel really stressed. But I, I left it kind of feeling good. I guess I'll, I'll ask any of you guys, you know, did you watch at eight when Trump left the White House? Did any of you guys see that or watch the footage afterwards? Andrew, you're nodding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just such a contrast, right? Like between him and, you know, there's that clip of him and Melania departing the plane and she just keeps on fucking walking and it's just it's just such a difference i mean even even the simple act of of 
Joe and Jill holding hands on national television, like that's such a change. Mm-hmm. Just something like what? Like she kissed him after he became president. Yeah. Like, you know, like they had kind of an awkward, like, you go this way or this way. Like, and then they like landed a kiss. And I was like, does everyone remember Melania's face when Trump looked back to look back at her in, yeah. in 2016? And she just was scowling. She smiled at him. And then when he turned away, she was scowling. Right. Like it felt so different. Like exactly like what you're saying, Andrew, just from the looks alone. Like, there's a, I mean, there's so many times that Melania has swatted away his hand or tried to avoid holding his hand that people have made whole montages out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's how many times it's happened. Yeah, I think it should be, and it should. I mean, not that we should talk long about this in the morning, but I think things that should be noted from that are the crowd was exceptionally small, which I mean is a good thing in theory of COVID, but like they don't care about that. So like it still should have been large in theory. I think it was a lot of just his family and people that work for him. So that's probably- And you know, they were they were giving people like plus fives. Yeah. You can bring five guests. They, they were desperate. Well, they needed to do more than that. And um, so that was, I thought it did, because of course he didn't talk about that because you could visually see there was nobody there. Um, and I think, you know, we have to address him or Eric going in to kiss his father and his father backing away when he was about to um, get on the plane, which I think everyone should go check out because that was a great ending to Eric's. He probably doesn't care about Eric. He never cared about Eric. He's definitely not going to care about Eric now. And then um, I think, you know, the have a nice life. And then <laughs> when Trump's have a nice life to America <laughs> and he then left to the YMCA as he normally does. I just think it was a crazy fever dream of like this. That is literally what this past four years has been. Oh, yeah. And that will be back in another form. That was a little, I mean, it was weird. I mean, I don't know if he met his children or himself or, um, but I feel like there's probably you control all, all the conservative places right now. They're probably that that was the dog whistle to them to like, we need to, you know, act and do stuff and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I feel that was kind of scary, but um it was weird. It was all very weird. And I think it's kind of amazing. And I, I'm kind of annoyed by, I know I texted you guys this, but like that I don't, we don't know what he's thinking right now. We don't know how mad he is. I, I like, I love that, but I also hate it. Like, I secretly wish he had like a burner on Twitter and he's out there just tweeting because I just think it's, there's no, there's no way of hearing from him. Like none. Yeah. None. Like there's really nowhere he can go. It's, it's fucking fantastic. It's, I mean, it's fantastic, yeah. but it's very, yeah. it's weird. I know what you mean, though. Like, you're so, we've like, I just been wanted con- to know, like, I wanted a live yeah. tweet of the inauguration, like that. Like, that's yeah. what I wanted. We've been conditioned to check his Twitter when good things happen. Right. To see how he's messaging to his people, how they should respond, that control he has over the messaging for the entire Republican Party, policies being announced, firings being announced, disagreements being announced, positions being announced. All of these things happened over Twitter. We're so used to being like, I wonder what he's saying. Even for those of us who didn't check it all that frequently, you know, like I didn't probably until this past, like maybe year or so, like when COVID really came off, like I was like, I would just see the ones that, that kind of made news, but I was like, I don't need to see this every day, but I don't know, Erica, like, did you have any feelings watching the helicopter ride or watching, you know, him leave and, you know, like kind of. I, I didn't watch the speech. I turned it off the second he mentioned his approval ratings, but I don't know if you had any thoughts on it. It was just interesting to see him defeated um, because you could tell that like he was trying to keep, hold on, there's a car 
alarm that went on, and I, I swear to God, it's mine. Oh, no. <laughs> Please. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Do you know what your car alarm sounds like? Do they all sound the same? It's Gritty's, Gritty's sitting in her car. Yeah. It wasn't mine. Gritty is literally rubbing his hairy orange balls all over the hood of your car. Oh, my God. I would be fucking soaking wet. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, but I think there is an air of... Like, I don't think that Trump really believed the words that he was saying. Also, he did not... He was not on script. Like, he kind of went rogue in his speech, and it was very apparent. Um, and so I think it's just him feeling, I wouldn't say unhinged. Well, actually, who cares if he's unhinged? How the fuck is he going to let people know he's unhinged? Like, you know, what does he do? Like, what is, I just want to know what's he doing. You know he is literally rage eating potato chips and sucking Big down diet coke and he can he can still be on twitter like you can sit on your computer and look at twitter he could create a burner account right like they don't have his ip they're not blocking his ip address right maybe i mean but it, it would be obvious like i mean he couldn't not do it under his he name. could not tweet but he could yeah. google what people were tweeting and look at it through the mobile version or the, the web version the silence is kind of deafening i mean like you, i n not until the last couple of weeks did i ever actually physically navigate to his twitter yeah. but you couldn't avoid it you couldn't like scroll through instagram like meme accounts were sharing his tweets like his tweets were literally fucking everywhere barstool and, sports and there there can be a debate and there will be a debate forever about whether or not it was the correct thing to deplatform the president and there's going to be all kinds of debate about it, but it worked like it literally worked. And it's to be seen if it actually helps or not in this way, but it very much might have just broken the movement because like he can't, that was his, that was his form of communication that kept, that's, it worked. It doesn't it matter. Really worked it really worked. Yeah. I mean, he is say what you want. He understands a certain type of marketing and he is good at it and he uh, he was always in our consciousness everybody's consciousness so as soon as he's gone the whole QAnon thing starts unraveling all of his supporters start unraveling they don't have that voice in their head constantly 24 7 anymore telling them what to do telling them mm -hmm. what to think they don't know what to think about this situation because he's not telling them what oh. to think of this situation and his idiot sons are not a good fill-in for it well i know but, i'm on it i was gonna say i'm on it right now and i'm kind of enjoying junior's instagram he's trying he's well, really it's, it's he's just really his me trying. is he using his words now not memes created by other people no, it's still me. I mean, he says general, general and memoirs is his Instagram bio. I mean, what? But no, he's posting. He's rogue though, because he's posting every few hours, just random, nothing related to each other, just random ass shit. Yeah, it's just. Um, and that's the one thing that Trump did really, really well is is Trump like would string together like they were rants, but like there was a cohesiveness to it in a way that was the only time they arrived at some point yeah sorry i cut you off no no i mean it's only like nine hours ago apropos of nothing junior tweeted congratulations china yeah that's what he posted his tweets around it like there's no indication mm -hmm. of what that means 
was that responding to something or reacting to something? You don't know. He just tweeted it. I also love that as soon as Trump was no longer president, everyone's like, let's fucking get it. Atlanta was like, we're coming for your raggedy edges, bitch. China says, don't come into my home. (laughs) Um, It's like he, I think that Trump now has to lay in the shit pile that he has stuck the rest of us with for the past four years. And it's just so like chef's kiss, like New York City, no, the state of New York was like, we don't want to have anything to do with you or your businesses. And so I think that ultimately it's like, I don't know, this whole thing almost feels like a story, right? Where you had, um, you know, the climax being January 6th and then your the resolution being the impeachment and then now he's folded away into this little box, aka Mar-a-Lago, and he doesn't have to be the villain anymore. Um, and that's not to say that Trumpism doesn't exist, because it certainly does. Um, but at least the big evil, I can't even call him a wizard, because at least wizards can like do shit. The big evil troll is defeated um but you know he got his troll juices all over the country so now we have to clean that up but it's like now it's just like a fun saga (laughs) (laughs) and you You know know, kamala harris didn't want to move into the uh, vice presidential residence last night they like had to do another deep cleaning she was like i'm not sleeping there tonight (laughs) i think she's she's probably in now and that's just you know mike pence but it is it's you know i i think to to transition into the inauguration right because it was so like like celebratory you know like we just got that feeling of this man and his supporters exist but they don't exist today because yesterday was our day like yesterday was a day for all of us who have just felt completely anxiety ridden and bullied and beat down and exhausted and like nobody was listening to us could hear us no matter what protest we did it was never going to create change we felt totally exhausted and helpless because democrats didn't have power to do anything until 2018 and then they still didn't have the senate so it was like so much of yesterday was just like Yes, we have problems. Yes, Joe Biden has a horrible track record with a lot of things. But this man, in his opening speech, his inaugural address, he talked about white supremacy. He talked about systemic racism. He talked about addressing it. And I heard him say that four or five times yesterday. I have to imagine that that's the first time that racism and white supremacy, domestic terrorism have been mentioned as part of a day of inauguration. And to me, that makes me so happy because some of these things that I felt were completely in Trump's control for him to say, 
guys, don't do this. This is not who I am. I'm, I'm Trump. Yes. I'm this. Yes. I, you know, build the wall. Yes. But like, we don't hurt people. We don't kill people. We don't storm a capital. We don't, you know, I mean, well, he calls people from shithole countries. He, you know, like he, he does perpetuate all this stuff, but he had the ability to influence these people. And now Joe Biden has the ability to influence these people. And we didn't, you know, hear a ton of his plans, of course, for all that yesterday, but like, we're gonna hear more about that soon. And so it was celebratory. I didn't expect to feel so good watching the event, but like my shoulders dropped, you know, my like heart rate slowed. Like I was just sitting there and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna pour the tiniest bit of whiskey right now because so many other people were drinking. People were, Erica, you were popping a bottle of champagne and I was like, oh, I was wasted. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was, I mean, I'm literally saying this on my work laptop, but I was fucked up. I drank that entire bottle of champagne and I will do it again. Yeah. And that's like, I just like, I saw all these people celebrating and I was like this, that feeling of like the, when the election was finally called and the, you're about to lose your job and the fuck Donald Trump, all those memes and the parades and people screaming and celebrating and balloons and like floats and shit. Like it was like this, but this, it makes it real because we can't hear from him anymore. We're still going to hear about him because he's still going to get tried by the Senate, whether that be, you know, next week or in February, I think they're talking about now. Will he have to, will he have to show up to that? Nope. Yeah, no, he, I mean, unless he wants to be a witness, but I can't, I'm sure he could because it's his trial, but um unless, unless they actually call him back i have a feeling he will never set foot in washington again i can't imagine he never liked doing the job to begin with you know what i mean like like i mean there was he, he wasn't good at it he didn't yeah. like it he liked the validation he got from it he liked the crowds he liked the retweets he liked you know the media coverage but he doesn't get that anymore why does this guy want to be back in washington David if not for that for the first part of his presidency hmm. Oh even, yeah, yeah. He didn't even want to be in the White House. That's right. Not about that. Melania lived there for like six months or something. Like yeah, that. because Barron had to be in school. Right, and weren't there all these rumors that Melania actually didn't live in the White House? I think it was confirmed like, that she da- did at some point, but they lived in separate. Like she lived in the in the bedroom, and he he didn't. Wait, is that what we read? Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Wait, yeah, you that found that in the Washington out. Post, right? Yeah, that just he, came out. Like she slept in the bedroom, week. and he slept. Where did he sleep? He slept in like the office. I can't imagine that he would allow that though. I I guess that's like where the computer was. It was like on Twitter all night, like this. Right. No, I probably wasn't tweeting on his phone, right? Yeah. I don't don't think I've ever gotten a feeling that he had full control of that relationship. Do you know, as much as he tweets, I still can't picture him like picking up a phone and tweeting. I don't know why. Like the, the idea of it is the image of it has never been in my head. Me neither. Yeah. I don't know why. I can't it's picture him like so thinking, like pulling up the app. Like, <laughs> like said, part of me thinks there was a person there who was his tweeter. It was like, me. it was Kirk. It was, but I was last night, I was stalking because um, this is all I do with my life is stalk people to see if people I know are liking anyone in the Trump world's Instagrams. When I get bored, mm-hmm. I do that. It's once a day. So watch yourselves. And um, I came across, I got, dove deep into Kaylee McEnickinickinickinickinick, whatever her name is. And her sister, who's younger, I guess, w- runs the Trump social. Um, but I'm sure that means like not the people, but like they have like the Trump war room and Trump whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I wonder if she does as well. Um, she helped him. But 
my friend actually just texted me saying, guys, what do you think Trump did today? First day of fun employment. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely played golf. But that's the thing is like, he's not sitting there thinking about, I wish I had done this differently in my presidency. Like I wish, oh, no, he's like, I was treated unfairly. They stole the election from me. And all these Republicans are cowards. They wouldn't, you know, vote for me. Like, oh my God. He just sits there and probably rants. But who does he talk to? Who's his friend? Melania doesn't spend time with him. Barron doesn't listen to him. I guess, I don't know, for you guys, like when, when you were watching the inaugural ceremonies or the clips of it afterwards, like were there certain things that kind of, you know, stuck out for you? Like I'll, I'll pull up, you know, a quote that I, I found like particularly in- inspiring and made me proud to have voted for Joe Biden because I was definitely reluctant, you know, till the bitter end. But um, he said, it's time for boldness for there is so much to do. And this is certain. We will be judged, you and I, for how we resolve the cascading crises of our era. Will we rise to the occasion? Will we master this rare and difficult hour? Where we, will we meet our obligations and pass along a new and better world for our children? I believe we must and I believe we will. And when we do, we write the next chapter in the American story. Like those quotes, like, I know he doesn't write his speeches, of course, but he still approves them and has to deliver them. But like those things, be bold. Are we going to rise to this occasion? Are we going to meet this moment? Are we going to meet these challenges? Like that is that uplifting like candidate that he he said he was from the very beginning. When he mentioned like his soul and the soul of the nation in the speech, like I lost it. I was like, this guy came out saying he needed to be the soul of the nation three years ago when he announced his candidacy. And I rolled my eyes. I was like, soul, we need a fucking wartime president. But like, this is exactly what we got. You know what I mean? Like- About to like, be a soul at any moment. But like... Yeah, <laughs> like, I just, I could, I, but it felt so good yesterday. To, to hear him say things like that because he does have to be bold and he's going to be the boldest Joe Biden he can possibly be. <laughs> like, like the, this man has been stretched and pulled by his party. And I feel like his speech represented that yesterday. So I don't know if there were things that kind of pulled out for you, but the, the boldness piece of, and the challenge for us to rise, like really made me kind of excited. I mean, I feel like, you know, the person who everyone has been talking about, deservedly so, um, was Amanda Gorman. It like I, I literally texted my mom and I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, like this makes me want to have a kid just so I could like potentially have that greatness. Um, and to think that she's twenty two. And I am 25 and I was just like, this is an individual who gives me hope in the sense that like, there's this whole generation out there um, that wants to pursue politics or wants to make change within the world. And I think seeing and hearing Joe Biden's speech and then hearing Amanda Gorman's speech, it's this like juxtaposition where you have like this old, like Joe Biden was born 
when school, like Joe Biden went to a segregated school, like in obviously not of his own choosing, but that was the time that he grew up in. Joe Biden segregated <laughs> schools. <I'm just> <laughs> I had to say it. But... And you know what? Kamala was that little girl. <laughs> oh I, my God. You should keep that this. was great. You, you have to keep that. Keep right? it. Keep it. We don't have to fucking... We don't have to pretend. I was dragging Kamala Harris on Instagram a year ago before I had any followers because I thought she was a shill of a candidate. <laughs> like, yeah. Let it out. Uh, I'm voting Warren in oh, 2024. Like, but I think um, it really shows that like, we as a country can take this pathway and there is a possibility where you know we're not having to say the first black female president um we're just gonna say the president because this is not the first this is an expectation this is a reality it's not some hurdle that we've overcome as a country which by the way shouldn't be a hurdle it should be just what the fuck it is um yeah and so it i think overall it just gave me this like i got so emotional just thinking about the day and the brevity of what was before us and also thinking that you know women like amanda gorman don't have to be in fear of the fact that they live in a country where even the highest office in the land is spewing so much hate like we've moved past that there's still hate in this country there will always be hate in this country but at least we you know, our leadership is setting an example. Um, and just to have that like tone from the top instead of tone deaf from the top, um, I think really was moving. And it was very, I'm very optimistic about the the next generation, even though I think I am like a Gen Z, but you know, fuck what you heard. I am 95. So Okay, like hurt. I didn't approve of a Gen Z on this podcast. But I think I am a millennial. Like, you have to look it up. It's real. Whatever, regardless. But I think the cool thing I agree about Amanda was, like, she's 22, so what? She's three years younger than Erica. She's, like, five, six years younger than She has 2.8 million followers on Instagram. Yes, yeah, in, like, a fucking day. Um, but anyway, she's. I know she's younger than all of us, but she's not, like, 12. Like, so it made me helpful for for hopeful for like I'm she's a little bit like our generation to that young I don't know just being like a person that I can kind of relate with in terms of like she's in her 20s she's once she it was just cool to see someone like have such a powerful moment and and then sit up there and say and I watched a bunch of interviews of her throughout the day after where she's like I want to run in 2036 she's very like she's like very like she says it and that's really cool to see someone that like of you know in their 20s say something like that um and mean it i think she means it, or you know who knows but like she does she there was some conviction behind it so it's cool to see um and and it's cool to see every news program was like acknowledging how um incredible she was and then acknowledging how incredible young people are and i feel like we don't and not to like say young people get don't deservedly so get shit on because a lot of these young kids are our age and younger going out in, in miami and partying for the past 10 months but um i think it is it's cool to i think like millennials and gen z i've always gotten this really weird rap of like 
being the trophy generation, all that kind of stuff that like, I feel like no motherfuckers, like there's stuff that we can do and want to do. Um, and it was cool for someone that young to like kind of speak up and um, make people see a younger, or younger or the younger generation of this country actually gives a shit and, and can do stuff. And to go from a president that spoke the way he spoke for four years and then a, a 22 year old girl who like outspoke him in 75,000 different ways mm-hmm. was also pretty cool. Um, and that like, like what's their equivalent charlie kirk yeah i don't know i get to see or, but yeah what's her name caitlin bennett well, candace, the girl who shit candace herself owens candace oh, wait, owens would you say yeah. andrew what, what's that girl's name oh uh, my god yes caitlin bennett caitlin bennett who shit herself yes paul you the, know that it's right the kent yeah. state gun girl the the Is girl just- the girl who brought a gun to her graduation photo shoot at fucking Kent State. I didn't, wait, I didn't she went to <laughs> She's Kent like a college. State of any college. We got, we're going to have to have a tangent on that in another episode. She's like a TikTok. She's like big on TikTok or like Twitter. I've seen yeah, this. She, she runs around campuses and she like just provokes conversation. And then someone found out she shit her pants at a party and there's it's a video. Not, it. It's not. There's, there's a picture. If if you a go picture. on Reddit, if you go on Reddit and you you search for She's it, horrible. you will fucking find it. It is all over Reddit. But anyway, yes, Listen, Andrew, I love I've that got IBS. I've got IBS. But yeah, what's their <laughs> comparison? What's their national? That is, I love that. Yeah, they've got nothing. They've got nothing because they have you know one? What? young people vote for Democrats like 70% to 30%. Like, and it's just like, I challenge everybody in, in who listens to this, whether you are Gen X, whether you are a boomer, whether you are Gen Y or Gen Z, like, I challenge you to always embrace like the younger generation. And I think that that's something that easily we can become skeptical about as we get older. Like we've talked about, you know, like people being trans species and transracial and we're like, what the fuck are these young people doing? Like, but it's like, like there's, there's like also pieces of this, like, no, if we embrace these people, if we bring them into our politics, if we them to run for office like we just get more AOC more Pete Buttigieg's we get more John Ossoff's we get so Erica just found the poop picture it's it is so it is so so it's not like like I'm I actually I have a little bit of respect for her because no I don't I don't think I've ever taken a shit that big in my life (laughs) guys I was just Oh, 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 no. I thought that she, like, dribbled a man-sized dump. (laughs) I am, I I cannot unsee that. And the best part, the best part of this, so she, she and some other dude, they run this, this fucking Zoomer fucking right-wing website called the liberty hangout which is already just oh my the god cringiest fucking name and they're always t- hey guys welcome back to liberty hangout <laughs> they're tweeting this the shit liberty. that's like not they're, they're not trying to be ironic but it's just like why would you tweet this so all these videos of her going this is a whole tangent but all these videos of her going to these college campuses and harassing people and asking them these dumbass questions she could fully edit them like everyone else like steven crowder edits his videos so you don't see him being made a fool of and all those other guys they all edit their videos she does not edit them she puts them out unedited on youtube you can literally go watch her just get 
fucking torn apart by people on these college campuses on her own YouTube page. And people all the fucking time she shows up and everyone's like, wait, you're the girl who shit herself. Oh my God. Well, it's if we amazing. had a Patreon and I would post it on Patreon, but it's amazing. I'll just say, Google it for yourself and cry. Like, oh not, my God. Um, I so, just need to paint the picture. It is not no, a, the, she's wearing a romper. She's wearing a short romper. So it's not just like, Ooh, a little dookie stain. It is a full, oh, imagine dookie. if the rock took a shit but it came out of a 20-something-year-old woman. Like, I, I, you have to, the world has to see this. I will never not tell people about this. <laughs> oh, my Lord Jesus. Look at I can't. Yeah, I looked at it. I didn't mean to. I just opened my phone. I forgot um, that you'd sent it. I've seen it before and that re- it refreshed my memory. There's nothing refreshed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, Paul, you really should watch watch videos of her on campus. I will. It's, 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 it brings you, it brings you greater joy in that photo. Yeah. Um, so that photo. I guess other good things that we heard, Andrew, <laughs> about the inauguration, um, what were some of the things that you enjoyed about the inaugural ceremonies? Well, because I am a 56 year old white man. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the Foo Fighters playing. Oh my <laughs> God. I, so I you, literally skipped that part. Uh, you brought up a good point, Paul, about Biden's speech where he speaks about boldness. And what I liked about Kamala's speech is she also used that language. And again, they have speech writers, but what was nice about that is there was a cohesion to the entire event and you know obviously we all had criticisms of both of them when they were in the primaries but it is nice to see that they are working together and that Kamala is as much a part of this as Joe is and it's it's really a 50 50 thing and at times Joe let her lets her take the lead um but to see that them walking in step with each other and having the same language in their speeches and obviously having the same goals, but also saying, you know, that they can disagree, but come together at the end of the day. I mean, that is, that is the ideal of America. I'm not going to say that is America, but that is the ideal of America. And I think it was a couple episodes ago where we said, what has Pence been doing for the last four years? We don't even know who this guy is. Like, where was he? What was he doing? And then in the last couple of weeks of the administration, it all fucking blows up. And Trump tried to make Pence his scapegoat and basically threw him to the wolves. Trump's followers erected a gallows and then called for the vice president to be hung they were chanting hang mike pence and hours earlier i just laughed because i thought that would be me at the end of this administration <laughs> not these people i know like it's, what thought twist like that was my plan it is fucking crazy and and there trump was hours before that in in veiled coded language saying well we hope pence comes through for us today mikey wouldn't it be a shame if he didn't what would happen then 
and, and, then, and, and Mike, like, like just so we're all clear, Mike Pence had no power to do anything that day. No, no. He, he, he it was all fake. No legal power. And he said that, and it didn't fucking matter to the president, and it didn't matter to his followers. And just, like, the whole way through, it's like, and then all this stuff comes out. There was this big article just, um, I think it was, I think it was in the Washington Post about how um, Pence, like, basically spent the last three to four years of his life like trying to massage the whole trump situation for the whole administration like he was what was keeping everything on the rails because he was the only experienced politician in the room he was right, like the only right. adult in the room and that's why we really haven't seen him because his whole job was just to like make sure everything didn't go completely off the rails which i don't know if that's true or not true but like the fact that that has to happen in an American administration is is crazy. And like Trump had such a clear strategy to like, in in some ways, like get the heat off of him for COVID. Like Mike Pence was in charge of the coronavirus task force. Like they, they stopped meeting. They didn't wear masks. They, you know, like, of course it's all inspired by Trump. And of course Trump is telling them what to do because that's what happens when you have a dictator in the White House. But like Trump could have said, you know what, guys? I tried it with Mike. He's a really good guy, good politician, great family roots, just wasn't cut out for the job. I'm going to pick a new VP. Here's who I'm going to pick. That generates a ton of media excitement. And, you know, Trump, then Pence is the one who goes down in the history of mismanaging COVID. Uh, people, of course, attack Trump for not being in touch with, like, the boss. You can see this, like, reality shifting where you have in some of those tight states being like, yeah, you know, Trump is a businessman. And when your number two partner fails that you have a lot of trust in, you see 10,000 people shift their votes in Georgia, and then the race looks completely different. Yeah. You see however many thousand in, in Pennsylvania, I can't even remember, what did we win by 120,000 here or something like that? Yeah. You see, you know, you see those people like switch over, like there was a clear path for like, yesterday to not happen the way that it happened. Like, JLo might not have been there if like Trump had handled things differently you know um and again like donald trump has been somebody who's blamed every single person around him forever but like he blamed mike pence just way too late you know like and when there was literally nothing that pence could have done you know to to save his presidency to object to the certification of the electoral college great thanks for objecting we're moving on you have no legal power here it's just like the series of missteps and the series of like not even not missteps fuck-ups you know it's like like this the the disorganization that Trump, even one of his best skills, blaming people, throwing people under the bus, he couldn't execute in time to like save his presidency, you know, and swing some of those voters who would eat shit like that up. Like, I don't, I would laugh if, if, if Joe Biden fired Kamala for like not being, I'd be like, Joe, that's on you. You picked her, you hired her. But, you know, long way of saying, <laughs> I agree with you, Andrew, like in terms of like, sorry, I'm like playing with my hat, but I agree with you, Andrew. It's like Joe Biden seems really excited about the opportunity to work with Kamala Harris. Like he cheers her on. He claps for her. He's always looking at her. He's like, he points to her. He's like, and it's cute. It's like an old man who's excited about literally the next generation because he thinks Kamala Harris is like 25, even though she's 56. <laughs> like, yeah. but like, you know, everybody looks 25 to him. But it's like, to, to me, it's like- I look he, 14. And I yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> He like, does clap for her, but then he's like, get on a different bus. I'll go on this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. 
he he was born at a different time, Kirk. Oh yeah, yeah. And but you know, no, I mean, it is. A, I'm glad we can laugh about it now that the election is over. But it, it it's like yeah, like all those times she called him out in the primary. Absolutely, he deserved it. But I do believe still what I said on this podcast that it shows that Joe Biden is willing to work with people that he doesn't get along with. The guy was like bullshitting with Mitch McConnell. You know, he probably hates. Mitch McConnell for watching what Mitch did the last four years and more. But he's like, got to work with him. I worked with him forever. He's just that asshole coworker. But here I am now. I'm the one with the power. You know, it just the whole thing looks totally different now. But that was so exciting to me to see the dynamic between Kamala and Joe because he's always said he's a transitional candidate. We don't exactly know what that means, but we've always speculated he wouldn't run again. He would step down. Him and Jill retire to the Jersey Shore, maybe Rehoboth, maybe Joe, you know, like comes out and maybe they like invite another man in. Like there's a, you know, like Rehoboth, right? Like you've been Rehoboth. Like, but. Is it me or does Bill look so much worse skinny? Bill's going to be dead in a year. Bill's been going through it. I, I saw Bill speak at, somewhere in like Ambler or something in, in the suburb of Pennsylvania um, of Philadelphia for when Hillary was running. And that man, this is for oh, five years ago now, I guess probably was not well. Like I was like, how, I, and I can't believe he's younger than um, Joe Biden by like four Me years. Me neither. Like, he video, looks 98. He sounds 98. of yeah. him and Bush and yeah. Obama like talking together. Like they put that video out some at some point during the inauguration. Right. Bush is Bush is probably mid seventies, right? Yeah, doesn't and he, seem it at all. He, he looks like, fine, like he's he's in good health. Obviously, Obama's in great shape. Like Silver Fox look is is working for him. And then like like I thought Bill was gonna like fall over dead like, right there. You're right though, because Conrad posted that they were all born in the same year, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty six. Um, Trump, Bush, Trump, and Clinton. Yes, we're all born. And in the then. Same year. Um, Biden's four years older. Yeah. yeah. But Erica, you were saying, I was going to say, but as Erica was saying, it's like, it's like the bill looked terribly old, but I loved that moment because it was a very clever way to address the fact that there's one asshole who's not in the room minus Jimmy Carter, but like, let's give the man some grace. He literally is the most at risk for COVID. He's probably has it right now. Like he could also be dead and we wouldn't know, but like to me, like, like Jimmy Carter was born in 1924. He's also had like, he's had like seven versions of cancer or something. The man has been through it. He's been through it. He he still looks better than Bill Clinton. Yeah. a little stretch but like it's but it is it's like that moment was so stark to be like look like you have you know war criminal george bush you know you've got like resigned pretty much resigned in disgrace bill clinton and then you have like obama who all of us are now looking you know 10 years later eight years later whatever you know or i guess it's technically been 12 now since he first came in we're all looking at him with a different lens too of what we want out of a politician so you're kind of looking at all these people and been like all of you have kind of been problematic in a lot of ways and all of you have kind of left parts of our country and parts of our administrations in shambles but the guy who really destroyed the country the guy who really like just threw everything for the loop couldn't even bother to show up because that's how much his pride is you know like they did a lot of the even if we disagree you know blah blah blah. but it like it there were moments of that sort of like dialogue in that outdoor amphitheater wherever they were that felt really 
genuine and yeah. really showed how much of a baby Trump is. And I think that that really would cement itself with some of the people that watched that they're like, if they voted for Biden and they were like, oh, I just don't know. Like they weren't happy. I think you would look at that and be like, yeah, wow. Trump is really dumb. Like he's I really wish, a baby. I wish Biden had been there for that Me conversation. Too. I thought he was, yeah. I think he was in yeah. person. They were at the, um, they were supposed to go to the, the soldier. The, um, Arlington, the, the toy soldier, the the lost the lost man soldier, whatever it's called. Sorry, but the, the um, tomb of the unknown war for that you. and anything else we've ever Christ said. Heard. Fact check. Um, I wish he had been in it because it would have been cool to see them. And I, I really, to your point, Paul, I loved how like it felt very. I mean, it was probably lightly scripted, but I enjoyed how like genuine everyone kind of felt. And Obama was very like conversational. I felt it was very. Um, it felt real, and it was definitely a low key shady moment by production, which I appreciated yeah and like you know that they were planning that and they're like this is unity it's just also unity showing contrast you know and yeah. that's important and like only the diehard trump supporters are going to be like you know the ones who really believe the election was stolen they're going to look at that and be like oh they're all in it together but it's like the fact that it feels like george bush could now be part of the democratic party Mitt Romney could be part of the Democratic Party. Paul Ryan could be part of the Democratic Party. Like uh, John Lovett made this point on, on Pod Save America, but it's like the center has shifted. What we know as the moderate has shifted and they have shifted completely towards the Democrats. And the inauguration was a complete example of that. And like, that just made me so, it, like the way that that we saw that in so many different places. Like I absolutely believe that to be true. Like, and that's why it's like, Joe Biden's kind of a moderate president. It's like, yeah, he is. And like, kind of, that's how he won, you know, <laughs> like, because he was. And I, I feel like there were so many moments of like kind of celebrating that. But I guess like, what of the outfits wise, outfits fashion wise, who stuck out to you? Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Fucking Michelle Obama came in I don't know where the fuck she got that wig, but that was human hair scalped from her enemies. Like she looked so good. JLo also looked amazing. And then I completely forgot about that the second she attempted to stay on key. <laughs> I don't I think don't she think attempted, she was it was lip syncing. Yeah, that was yeah. lip syncing, honey. She can't even. How are you all key lip syncing? I mean, listen, I think you she could have. She could have done that live. There was nothing like she could have sounded like that. I just like because even the lip syncing it was just like casual singing, um, but I thought she looked great. The what is it, that iconic Aretha Franklin quote? The gowns, the gowns, the gowns, gowns, beautiful gowns. The gowns, beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns. This, this doesn't even look like a wig. Michelle, like Michelle's you know, Michelle and Barack Obama come out there looking amazing always, and they always make you forget. Like, we like kind of killed a lot of people, and, like a lot of war crimes and stuff, but we look amazing. <laughs> like you got everyone's like, yes, the best president. I mean, he is the best, one of the best presidents ever, but still, yeah, like like in the grand scheme of like in the grand like scheme crimes, of things, but you, yeah. you forget like what he did sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I thought she was great. I think. Um, Laura Bush, like clearly, you know, Laura Bush was like the only one that came out looking kind of like a Republican because she is, I guess. <laughs> like she had no, she had no glam squad helping her, um, unfortunately. But I stand by Hillary. I, I, I like Hillary's. I don't know what you would call it, but I was into it. Um, and the fact that you even know what to, I know what to call it, it, I was into it. And I loved, and everyone keeps talking about her, um, the first gentleman's daughter, um, and I'm forgetting her name. 
I think, oh. it's, I think she's his daughter um, with the gold, with the gold sequin or not sequin, the gold, like shoulder pads. Yeah. It was, it was, a look. that outfit was pretty incredible. I also, because I didn't know who she was, I didn't see her come out. I was like, who's this like grandmother, but it was just like a grandmother pattern. Like, but yeah. it was. It was a look. And, and also Ashley Biden's suit. I loved and all of the Biden kids and grandkids looked amazing. Jill Biden. Oh, was looked- Ashley Biden the one in the pantsuit? Yeah, like the, the full tux suit type of thing. Yes. Stunning. Is she queer? Uh, I'm like, I, I don't know. One of the girl I follow on Twitter, what's Jill? She's funny. She's she's a lesbian. She's a lesbian on Twitter. And she um was tweeting about how she, I think she might be the girl, Ashley. Um also Lady Gaga was um something. Yeah. Her vocals were there, but I didn't really I mean it was like I she was she was being Lady Gaga, I guess, from a from a fashion standpoint, but I didn't really get the apparently the dove or the whatever the bird was supposed was giving um was it had a um olive branch in it and it was supposed to be like extending an olive branch to the whole unity theme. Um yeah which we could go on about. But um I also think we can't end this podcast at any point without mentioning me crying to Katy Perry's firework at the end of the night. Like I I wish I was kidding. I genuinely was bawling, like sitting sobbing, crying. Only because not because like obviously not because the song, but it just I think I realized like how that it's over. Like it that's it felt I was more of like a not hopeful cry. It was more of like a wow like this is over. Like Trump is over. Like I don't know. It was very it was just a very weird moment for me because like firework means nothing to me I think it's kind of actually a really corny song but um it worked in that moment and Demi Lovato I know everyone in the podcast was mad about that too but I was loving Demi Lovato's moment I know Andrew was loving the production (laughs) that that (laughs) green screen (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah I okay I I I thought Katie Katy Perry's vocals were terrible I didn't really care about I, the vocals. I actually don't think they were terrible. But I, I, whatever, y'all can y'all can say what y'all want. About but I love I do love the song. So we have a very opposite. Like yeah, I go you love that, the song. I, I don't. I love, love the, song. the song. Like I like not. I wouldn't say like listen to it anymore. But like <laughs> like what I will say like it's like there's something about that song that brings joy. I mean, it was a little literal for me of like fireworks, and then there was a fireworks <laughs> display. Like I I think I would have like I I said to Jack I looked over and I was like. Jack, like, this is one of those moments where I wish, I wish Whitney Houston was still alive. Like, I just was like, I could feel that Whitney would have been the yeah. one to close out well, they, it could, And there were other people that, I mean, like, yeah. if you want to, I agree, but there are people alive that could have done that, if you think about it, but. A hundred percent, but I just, yeah. like, in my, in my mind, I was like, I. No, I, yeah. Like, like, when I, when I think about, like, like incredible female singers of color, like strong power. Yeah. Bella, like, are we are we gonna get Aretha Franklin? Is she gonna be able to do that? Obviously, no, not anymore. But like, you know, like She's dead, Paul. No, no, I know, but I'm saying like, but oh. no, <laughs> no, I know. But I'm saying like, if she oh, were I, alive, because Whitney passed like ten years ago. I, know, I thought, passed, like, I thought you thought she was still alive. <laughs> no, no. No, I thought that you meant that she didn't have the range anymore, and I was like, oh, no, like she both, doesn't. like both, like she didn't. You could have, have had range. like, I don't, I mean, I know Adele's not black, but like Adele or like, I know um, she's not American. Jennifer Hudson, Jennifer Hudson. I could have seen, I could have absolutely seen Jennifer Hudson, like, but she's 100%. not big enough, I think. Um, I guess they, they, if they, if they want the name, like Jack said that, Jack, and said, I think no, they like, wanted Katie fireworks. Katy Perry's on the same. Pop, like level of fandom although the fandoms are very different as lady gaga so like oh yeah and i didn't know that i thought that Katy perry was just like kind of like 
D-list, not D-list. Like obviously she's a star, but like not. I thought Lady Gaga's like everything super. Still, popular. Gaga's still pretty super relevant. I I think probably still way more relevant than Katie, but Katie's still it's and the, Katie's always put. But Katie's always been always involved in like the DNC type of world. Like she's always. True. I feel like she's always been doing that. Um, but I I agree that it would have been nice to have a a, um, a a more powerful type of energy vocalist. Yeah, and like she That's can all. sing that song when she's standing. Still, yeah. most times. I mean, I thought she sounded fine. I just think it would have been cooler to have like a more energy, energy like. An energetic. I just don't know who that is. I guess I've been Jennifer Hudson, but that's all I can think of. Sorry. That's all I can. Yeah. I mean, Beyonce. I Beyonce. Yeah, where was Beyonce? Beyonce, Giselle Carter Knowles said, "Listen, where was she? Obama's only. You cannot contract okay, like, me." She also didn't tell people to vote until like the day before the election. She did Hillary's something with Hillary. Didn't she do something with Hillary? She did. I think like Obama. we're not gonna get Lizzo or Megan the Stallion, like obviously. Oh my god. Wow. Oh my god. Like, that would have been a moment. Stallion, I would literally be a, oh my god. I would vote. I would write in Joseph R. Biden for the Robinette. You'd write Robinette. <laughs> J <I>, Robinette Biden. <laughs> I mean, if they were gonna go with vocalist, I guess they could have gone with Fergie, but I think she was busy <gasps> or something. <laughs> Yeah, they wanted her to do the national anthem. The I think that would have been <laughs> We have so much more to talk about, but I do feel we've fully unpacked the inauguration. So I'm no, curious. Wait, wait, you know, wait, can I do one last One thing? moment. Yeah, I was going to say one moment that stands in your mind because oh, Kirk has well, much more to say. I'll have more than that. But I wanted to mention, because I know none of y'all did this research, but I was doing research when, um, when Tim McGraw and half of Florida Georgia line was performing because I had to figure out why the fuck they were there and um Florida Georgia line is currently on a little bit of a break or they're like there's issues and the guy that sang there is the one from Georgia and the other guy is Florida and like the joke is Florida is a Trump supporter like because he is like, outwardly posing about it and Georgia was like not cool with that and like it's kind of funny because Georgia went blue and like he was like fuck it I'm gonna go perform he like wrote the song and then performed at the inauguration so um, I I'm still won't that. I still won't listen to Florida Georgia line songs maybe just the if there's versions with just Georgia's lyric lines or but, just um, Nelly Nelly and Georgia just <laughs> Nelly though no, I still hate Florida Georgia line but I was a bit confused but I think there was reasons why he they had people like him and what's the other one um Amazing Grace guy that Erica was pissed about um Keith Urban no um Garth oh, Brooks uh, but I went to look at their socials after and they were getting so much hate like thousands of comments on all of all those three guys being like you're a traitor like you think that liberals are going to buy your music no so they're kind of right but um I think it was kind of just a moment to be like we it's not just country music can be you know I'd, accepted I would in, love in to see a Joe Trump Biden supporter. America I, guess. I, was like, I would love to see a Trump supporter stick to a principle that's all I would like to say so they're empty threats yeah, sorry yeah like, I will say my favorite part of the inauguration was, what was the guy, Tim McGraw, what was his name? Garth Brooks? Garth Brooks, yeah. I'm when never- he trolled around without a mask on. First of all, him walking around without a mask, him wearing jeans, <laughs> jeans. No, not on that jeans. stage. Like, not on I know that it's stage. your brand, but come on. No, like, at least black no, jeans. Uh, at least uh, just don't fucking wear jeans and who did he kiss (laughs) probably jill someone who's on a ventilator right now 
<laughs> yeah. And I was literally like, and then after he fucking moseys off stage, you have Amanda following. Oh my God. And I was like, whoever the fuck planned this was on some petty shit. <laughs> they probably said, Garth, just wear jeans. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a cat, it's a business, it's a smart casual event. It was smart casual for him. <laughs> And here comes Amanda, literally dripped out Prada headband, Fenty highlighter. Prada that I was like, they this was disrespectful. Oh, and like I'm all for like moments that are relatable, um, but I'm also for moments that are like serious. I feel like jeans in an evening performance on the eve of the inauguration, totally fine, you know. But like even Tim McGraw was like fairly dressed up. I feel like and. I will say the one thing that kind of stuck out to me in those evening performances, besides like the Demi Lovato, Black Mirror, Green Screen, <laughs> Ashley O, I'm on a roll. That whole, that whole situation, Hannah Montana was like very confusing for me. But like at some point in Tim McGraw's performance, he goes, you know, when I, or I don't know if it was Tim McGraw or Georgia, I they all look the same to me, but, but he goes, he goes, you know, when I was sitting at home and I had COVID, I was like, why are you here? Like, what, what did you do? Like, like, like we don't need a, a COVID survivor pop star who had every ability to stay home in a mansion to be like, he's like, when I, I was just sitting at home with my COVID and I wrote this song and I was like, fuck you for getting COVID. <laughs> like, what were you doing? Oh, that was Georgia. That was Georgia. I remember that. Yeah. Not Tim McGraw. I'm sorry, Tim McGraw. If you have fans. Sorry, no, Faith it's Hill. fine. <laughs> Andrew can attest you've met one white guy you've met most white guys all those country bumpkins look alike to me i do think though we should all i think amy klobuchar should do every inauguration like i was i was really into her i was i uh -oh. and i've been i think i've been like a pretty um vocal maybe not on the podcast i don't uh -oh. like amy klobuchar at all i never have but something about her emceeing an inauguration like really it worked for me. I don't know why. I guess Paul, everyone's just Paul's about you know, to lose it. When I started this campaign, like this. I know wait, I loathe her, but I like loved it. Like I think she should never run again and just be the inaugural speaker. Uh, okay, I'm in. So here's the thing, and I started an argument about this on Instagram today. Okay, I like Amy Klobuchar, the politician, the person oh. who can get things done in Washington yes. and work bipartisanly. Her personality. I find incredibly grating. Like, yes, the way that she just attacked Pete Buttigieg over and over, calling him the mayor in the primaries. Just, she, like, in another world, if I was somebody else, I'd probably stand. But as, like, he, the, the guy won Iowa, Amy, get off the stage. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but I, again, great, like, bipartisan worker. Like awesome to like rally, you know, the Midwestern moms all about that shit. But I am not, I'm not a fan of her being behind a microphone. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Only if it's snowing. That was a great joke. That was a great joke. I wonder if that was off the cuff or if that was written. I don't know. Who was that? Who said it? I forget. I forget what his name oh, was. God. Roy Blunt, I think. Oh, I remember when they started saying Roy. I was like, no, Roy Moore is here. God. Dear God. I did. I was like, who? <laughs> did you imagine if Kirk was in charge of the lineup for the inauguration? Oh my God. Be, first of all, I would be performing. And then it would be, <laughs> and then it would be 
<laughs> quite a quite a different lineup. It would look like the RNC. That <laughs> would look like a Trump. <laughs> Megan McCain. Megan McCain is the poet laureate. <laughs> and there's a CGI version of John McCain shaking and the, the poet, hand of Peter the, poem, the poem is called My Father. There was no mention of RBG, really, though. I was kind of surprised. Was there? Was yeah, because they were. They're still pissed that you know she didn't retire before she croaked. Oh yeah, they're pissed. Her. They threw her body somewhere. Wait, okay. Serious. Speaking of dead. Speaking oh. of dead bodies, which we we Wait. might have to cut that. <laughs> speaking of, we're not speaking of dead bodies. I want to say it. Not. But I think a nice way to go back to not to go back to Trump, but like when he dies, like will he lie in state? Like are like what happens? Like. Feed him to the gators in Mar-a-Lago. Like, I don't know what they do. I, will he say, I won't, I don't want that. Or will we reject it? Like, I, I was thinking about that the other day. I, I kind of think like, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Like we can, I, I, I kind of, I, what, I kind of. about Trump's death? I think well, it's a like, great podcast. What, what comes after this? Like I said earlier, I don't think he'll set foot back in Washington, but I don't think his followers will want him to either because the ones that are actually going to continue to believe him now believe that the the United States government is wholly illegitimate. They would not want their idol to then right. be lying in state and his body back in control of the U.S. government. But I mean – that's a, that took a hard turn. Sorry, I was thinking. Wait, I was just. Thinking. I'm dying that like Andrew's like. I mean, you know, this is what a Trump supporter would like, think, did... and this is exactly it. Not that I have any experience. Like, are you a Trump supporter or not, <gasps> Andrew? Are you a Are you a Q? I am Q. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. I am. I am now here announcing it to the world. I am revealing my identity. I am legend. I. How does. I, I'll be honest, I would be so fucking disappointed as a Q supporter if the whole time it was just some dude in Quaker I mean, Town. you, Quaker that's, Town, you. That's what it probably is. <laughs> fully what it is. It's just some <laughs> random dude on 4chan who thought he was going to have a fun time trolling people. Yep. <laughs> and it fucking blew up. All right. I know. Final you, thoughts? All you fuckers believe it. Idiots. Oh my gosh. So dumb. Should we do a final thought oh, on the inauguration? That? Or should it be a final thought on our hope? Thank me. Our hope based upon the executive orders. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. I think that's a good call. You know, like executive orders. Um, I don't love the idea of somebody just coming in and announcing a bunch of stuff to like repeal somebody else's. Like that feels very stupid. To me, um, I wish that our country worked differently, but I think that that's sort of happened. Um, I read a couple of articles on, you know, the thought behind executive orders and, and why they kind of just like, like sort of make the splash. Like, I think even on Pod Save America too, they, they mentioned like, it used to be like you did one executive order a day to like maintain press coverage. Uh, you know, the whole time, but basically they're saying like this year, they're, they're just like how Trump had a bunch, like Biden's going to have a bunch because really it's more important to focus on what's going on with COVID, the vaccine rollout. Like we have all these vaccines that are just sitting basically in storage and refrigerators at this point when they should be injected into people. And then we have like, um, 
we like like we have um obviously like like trump's impeachment trial to get to as well so like it's like rush these executive orders because these are things that we can do and then like let's turn our attention to covid and the impeachment and then like a couple other like in the cabinet appointments i think i think that's why you know like it's happening this fast but i don't know if you guys had like an executive order that kind of stuck out to you or something like that something that you were kind of most excited about like um, there was stuff with, you know, immigration, the wall, there's like stuff with, you know, healthcare and, and stuff with education. Like there's kind of a few different things, but I don't know if anybody had one that stuck yeah. out. I can go first. I think um, along with Ted Cruz, we're super happy about the Paris Climate Accord. Um, Stop. I was just going to say that. <laughs> no, I am kind of happy. I mean, it was a very easy one, a simple way. It was worth getting back into it. I think that was, I mean, we knew that would happen. It's great to be able to say the word climate change again um, in uh, for, uh, hear a president say it. So that was exciting for me. And I, I guess the only one I kind of, not only only one, but one of the ones I still kind of like, I'm I, the mask mandate one in federal buildings, I I get. And do, I mean, I just feel like it's like how often, how many people are in, like, I don't know how impactful that is, but I get, to me, it's like targeted at the Republican senators that won't wear masks. Like, that's what I feel like it was. Um, it just felt like a weird order, but. I think it's like a messaging strategy, you yeah. know, yeah. the mask challenge, like that stuff, you know, it, it it'll replicate with schools and stuff like that maybe, yeah you know but i was happy to see it but i know that it'll probably trigger a lot of other people to say now joe biden is making us wear masks in our house that's what we're gonna hear you must wear a mask in your house that's what they're gonna think it means mm-hmm. yeah but that um being dramatic yeah. erica what about you did you have an executive order that piqued your interest yeah um it was great because 150 reasons actually broke out the um all 101 executive orders. And I mean, I thought it was just great to see the breadth of what that included, but um, or not executive orders, I should say promises, but I will say one executive order that I was happy about is they extended the um, uh, the break on student loan payments. Yeah. And my mom, and my mom is not one to say this. She said, just don't pay it. <laughs> She's like, you know, I know that I believe Democrats are at talks of um, forgiving up to $50,000 a person um, in regards to student loans. And I truly think that it's, it'll be a shock to the system if come October, they're like, never mind, you have to pay your student loans. Because I know that like, that locked up my finances and it's going to lock up a lot of finances um, of people like myself, especially people who had a lot of changes in their finances due to COVID. Um, And so I think that if they do say you guys need to start paying your student loans, it's going to show people how detrimental holding on to that debt is to the economy. Um, So I'm very hopeful about that and hopeful to be, um, you know, that there's at least a president who truly is going to consider it. And I will fucking hold him accountable. I will show up to the White House front door like, hello. I was going to say, you you might want to like bring one of us along. I just, you know. Are, are we, <laughs> we going to storm the White House? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm cool with hanging out at like Lafayette Square or something. Like, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah, deep. I guess we probably won't get bombed or tear gassed anymore. Like, I don't think that Joe Biden's going to do that if we hang out in the normal, most popular place to protest in Washington, D.C. 
Yeah, I, you know what? I, I think that's an interesting thing for us to talk about on another episode. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, we, and, and Andrew, we started chatting about this in our work group chat yesterday. Like, there's so many nuances with student loans. I feel like to really flush out that argument would be really fun to do with you guys. Like, I don't know that we get $50,000. Like, I think that that is like such a tall order. I, I would love, I would love yes. it. But I, I do believe that like, like at some point somebody's going to whine somewhere and it'll, it could be like 25. I'm happy we even have the 25, you know, but you're right. Like that, that pausing to extend, like, we don't know if any of us are going to lose our jobs. We don't know when this sort of like bubble is really going to like take hold. And there's like all the, like this, I mean, there already is catastrophic economic fallout, but like even more, we don't know how long that this is going to go. So, um, I I think it's hugely important like for people not to pay it, you know, if they if they don't have to right now. So save your money in case the time comes and in case there's forgiveness. So yeah, then you were just paying things that'll be forgiven. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Andrew, what about you? Any executive orders that popped up for you? Well, um, I, I wouldn't pick out one in particular just because I think what this is showing is it, it took Trump four years to f- fuck all this shit up. Right. Like the, it really shows how much of a failure Trump was. He couldn't do any of his campaign promises even part way. And I, I think that's also partly because he's just a fucking liar and he didn't, he, it really wasn't about any of those things for him so much as just getting the power and winning the office. Um, but, and again, we can have a whole debate in another episode about executive orders and whether that's a good thing or not a good thing. And certainly that's something that's been abused by all modern presidents is certainly in my lifetime. Um, but this is the right way to use them where he's just undoing what Trump did that was bad and as quickly as he possibly can. So I think that's really the story here is that he's just reversing all those bad things that happened so that we're at least getting starting to get back to the baseline of where we were five years ago, four years ago, and we can start going in a new direction. Um, so yeah, I think, I think as a whole package on balance, it's, it's a good thing. And the, what I'm hopeful for now is, okay, he's taken that step. And like Erica was saying, okay, so we've extended some of these things. There's a moratorium on evictions and, you know, rent and extending the student loan um, and halting the Keystone pipeline and getting back into the climate, the Paris climate agreement and all that. Like, that's all great. We're going back to the baseline. Now, what do we do from here? Um, are, yeah. are we going to get to September 30th and suddenly that debt comes due and the rent comes due and now we're back to evicting people, the pandemic's over and people are back in gentrification and all these other issues. People are still paying 50, 60, $100,000 per year for school. Um, healthcare is still insanely expensive or is he going to start working towards fixing those underlying problems because just forgiving student debt is not fixing the problem you forgive everybody's debt right now everybody's just going to get back into debt again because it's not fixing the system you know uh, again like with same thing with housing yeah yeah, and aca you could could levy all kinds of criticisms that that's a band-aid on the problem we need to fix the whole entire healthcare system and it's not going to happen in four years but you know, is he going to take those steps? So that's what I'm interested in seeing over the next, you know, six to nine months. Yeah, me too. 
Me too. Um, I think we'll, we'll definitely keep watching. Um, you know, I know for you guys who are listening, we are kind of like closing out this chapter of the podcast and figuring out what we want to do with the next chapter um, of it. So definitely Biden accountability will be huge in it. Um, I would love to talk about stuff like executive orders where we can like be like, okay, this podcast, we're not going to have an agenda, but we're just going to like talk about executive orders and we're all going to research it. And then we just sort of like, blah, blah, you know, just sort of like talk and debate amongst each other in, in some kind of healthy way. But like, so I guess I'll kind of close this episode um, by kind of saying we do have a couple more episodes like lined up. So please keep listening, of course. But also like if you have feedback or things that you want us to cover, please do so. Um, I think, you know, for those of you who follow me on Instagram or anybody else here, like we, we always respond to DMs and like really enjoy it when, when people give us ideas or say that they found part of an episode funny. Um, of course, we love that too. When you uh, like, subscribe, rate, and review, uh, that's always good too because then it, it helps the podcast reach other people too. But you know, let us know what you want because, like, I think to me, uh, the let's unpack that, like, this sort of like journey through our political and social and cultural anxiety and depression, like, it can, it's easy, it's evolving, it can easily evolve into like something else. So, um, send us your ideas, send us your thoughts, and I hope that you guys all enjoyed the inauguration like we did. And I hope that this episode made you laugh. So, um, we'll talk to you all again soon, and Kirk. Erica, Andrew, thank you all for joining. It's great to talk to you. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>